It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mafia a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Three, two, one. Cue music. This is Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Hello, Chris Coleman here for the latest edition of Movies First and joined, as I have been for the 25 previous episodes, by the one and only Mr Alex First. Greetings to you, Alex. Sir, is this 25 or 26? I've lost track. This is 26. So we didn't even celebrate our quarter century. That's not good. Oh, well. We, we could go hoopla and whatever now. We could. Well, 26 means we've actually lasted half a year, give or take. That's true. Wonderful. Magnificent stuff. We, we've given a few bonuses along the way too because there's been so much stuff happening and we'll continue to do that. Indeed. So one movie that I've been really looking forward to is Suicide Squad. There have been... Well, you were overseas and I think you saw something about it, didn't you, when you yeah. were in the United States of America? Yeah, I did the backlot tour of Warner Brothers in uh, Burbank, California, and you can find out about that by uh, tracking down the requisite episode of, Mo- of Travel First, our travel podcast. But, yeah, while on the tour there, they had just opened, like a couple of days before we did the tour, they just opened the Suicide Squad display. Now, I didn't know a great deal about Suicide Squad, but to see the costumes and to see some of the props, it really lit my curiosity. I really want to see this one now because it really looks good. So, Alex, please tell me I'm not going to be disappointed. Well, firstly, I should say that I actually saw some magazines with the characters on the front. They had alternative covers. You know that magazines do that reasonably infrequently, but on occasions. And that really got me excited because Margot Robbie was one of the covers. Boy, oh boy, hasn't her career taken off? Oh, my I mean, word, she's in everything. She is. And 2013, Wolf of Wall Street, who could have guessed that that would propel her to the great international heights it has? Can you think of a an actor, male or female, who's as hot as Margot Robbie at the moment? I can't. Right I, now, I think she really is at the top of the tree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not just an Australian actor, an actor full stop. She is just dynamite and the beaut part is even if the scripts aren't all that great 
what she does with the scripts is why she is so good. So anyway, this is an orgy of violence and mayhem and colourful characters with a strong music score. And it's a film that's going to appeal to those who live by the adage, it feels good to be bad. Written and directed by David Ayer, he did Fury and End of Watch, based upon characters from DC Comics. Now, when I was growing up, I wasn't much of a comic reader, although Superman and Batman were around. What about you? I loved comics, but can I confess a little thing here? Mm-hmm. I actually loved more the vouchers and stuff at the back where you could buy the x-ray specs that never worked or the thing that would turn <laughs> a piece of plain paper into a dollar bill. And I used to sit there and save up my pocket money to buy them and then, shame on me, I'd go and spend the pocket money on other stuff. So I never bought any of this stuff that I really wanted. Well, I must admit that when I looked at the back of magazines, not cartoon-type things, not comic books because I didn't really read them, what constantly was what was a constant presence was Franklin Mint, and you know it's still some of the stuff looked absolutely amazing. I I I didn't actually buy any of it, but it looked phenomenal. So obviously they've done a good job in marketing because they're still around to this day, and we're not being sponsored by them. But if they want to sponsor it, my most, word, <laughs> yes, hey, bring in. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to Suicide Squad. An American hard-as-nails intelligence operative, played by Viola Davis, has secretly assembled a group of disparate, despicable criminals that have got nothing to lose. And Davis makes bad things happen to bad people. She really only cares about the operation at hand. She believes everyone is expendable when serving the greater good. She intends to use these supervillains as a powerful arsenal at the government's beck and call to fight a supposedly insurmountable supernatural enemy. And if you're asking what's in it for the criminals, the answer is the possibility of release from incarceration. In reality, though, they're on what appears to be a suicide mission. And if they survive the first one, several suicide missions. (laughs) Such is the strength of their opponents. And let me tell you a little bit about each of the key characters. Joel Kinnaman plays a colonel who's Davis is second in command. He's a crack shooter. He's charged with keeping this ragtag group of, well, whatever you, no-hopers in line. Then you've got Will Smith. He plays Deadshot, career mafia hitman, Mm -hmm. possibly the best marksman in the world. He's got an ex-wife and an 11-year-old daughter whom he loves but sees very little of. Margot Robbie plays Harley Quinn, as in Harlequin. Yes, indeed. Beautiful, young psychiatrist who treats criminally insane patients at an asylum, including the Joker, Jared Leto, until this violent, dangerous man turns the tables on her and she becomes crazy. So she's as crazy as she is desirable and she views life as one big, chaotic joke. Jai Courtney is an Australian roughneck known as Captain Boomerang. And you've got a heavily facial tattooed character called Diablo, played by Jay Hernandez, who at will can create a maelstrom of fire. There's a square-jawed killer croc whose cracked and scaly skin and toothy grin evoke the most fearsome of reptiles. And he's skilled at surviving and manoeuvring in dark, dank, filthy sewers. 
You have a character. It sounds like a delightful cast of characters. Oh, absolutely. You'd love to meet these people in a dark alley. Katana wields a large samurai sword, is a street fighter with a ballistic face mask. And then you've got Slipknot, master in the use of elaborate ropes and tackle. And then there's Dr. June Moon, played by a model come actor, Carla Delevin. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Yeah, no, you're on your own here. Delevine. I think that's it, actually. Cara Delevingne. She, she, she and her alter ego, the Enchantress, is this Enchantress is an ethereal witch as old as time itself. And Dr. Moon is possessed by the Enchantress and struggles to hold on to her humanity when the Enchantress takes over. So that'll do. Yeah. The, the action, the effects, pretty impressive, as are the characters themselves. I really like the setup. But then uh, I was disappointed with the follow-up or follow-through. I, I actually thought the plot was too convoluted and confusing. And I was hearing comments to that effect when I left the cinema. The main focus of attention is on Will Smith, who's back to his dominant self, and Margot Robbie, who once again acts up a storm. She's sassy, cheeky, simply a bundle of unbridled enthusiasm and, and energy, very much a scene-stealer. With the big build-up, Suicide Squad has had, I entered the cinema with a great sense of anticipation. I walked out feeling less than satiated. I I wanted and expected more than I actually received. One thing, though, please remember to stay on until after the credits. There's a little bit of action thereafter that points to a sequel. And, in fact, apparently Margot Robbie is going to be broken out into her own movie as well. She will play the character... Harley Quinn, and there's going to be a Harley Quinn spin-off. Now, see, this intrigues me mm-hmm. that we're being introduced in Suicide Squad to a lot of new characters in, in yes. the in the DC Comics universe, right? And they're already setting it up for branch-off or spin-off movies, as yes. well as as well as an ensemble sequel. And you mentioned how the plot is convoluted, so. Mm-hmm. You know, have they bitten off more than they can chew here with this project? No, because what they've done is they've introduced the characters and then once we know them, we'll get more of them and we'll get to know them better in the second and third and subsequent instalments. And then, well, some of the spin-offs of individuals will work better than others. That's inevitable. I mean, when Marvel does this, the same thing happens. By the way, Batman is in this one as well. So Okay. Yeah, and... and and a familiar Batman. Uh, so he doesn't have a big role, but he has a role. So just be aware of that, and he, he works into the plot. So, yeah, I, I mean, I really did want more. I, I'm really sort of – I expected so much of this, and it, it started off with such promise, but when the plot doesn't kind of hang together as well as I expected it to, that's what disappointed me. By the way, a mate of mine who's also a reviewer – came along with his son who I think's about 10 and he, it scared the bejesus out of him. It's quite violent and, I mean, it's rated M for a reason in Australia. So probably, you know, don't go along. I mean, what M suggests uh, that you need to be uh, mature of some, uh, at least a mature youngster. So you'd probably have to be at least 14 or so to appreciate what Suicide Squad's all about. It's not MA, but it is M and it's M for a reason. 
Okay, so don't take the littlies. Be prepared no. to concentrate and get ready for uh, an onslaught of movies featuring all these characters. Yes, absolutely. And it'll be fascinating to see how it does at the box office because I reckon that they spent quite a bit of money on it and quite a bit of money, I'm suggesting, because the effects are just magnificent. I wouldn't be surprised a couple hundred million bucks on something like this. I don't know that for a fact, but I I believe it just by looking at it. So it'd want to take around about half a billion at the box office. Mm -hmm. and. That's a big ask. I mean, not every movie does that. So, you know, but it's been huge on word of mouth. And the interesting thing is if you go to IMDb today, because <laughs> the reviews were held so that it was coordinated in terms of its release around the world. But there already have been quite, there's been nearly 4,000 people who've seen it, and their rating out of 10 is 9.3. But that's not reviewers, right? There's only on, – on the IMDb site, there's only one critical review from somebody called Film Dude. Uh-huh. So the, the, well, the, the, the interesting part to me is that they've deliberately avoided sort of letting any reviewers review it before release date. Uh, that's, because, that's happening more and more often. Yeah, we, we've, we've have to fi- we have to sign – I do as well – you have to sign a waiver. That means that if you see it early, you can't review it before a certain date, right? And and they do that for the reasons that if it doesn't do particularly well, then people are going to go along and see it anyway. That's this sort of movie, to be honest. Okay. Right. So it's it's this that sort of movie. So yeah. Um, now I'm just having a look at this guy's review. It's interesting. He he. I won't. I mean, he he just happens to be known as Film Dude. But yeah. I'm just reading it now as we speak, and he has similar views to me about it. So that is what I can what I can say about it. Now, let me suggest as a score out of ten, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a six and a half. Okay, yeah, that's definitely in the could have been better category. Yeah. yeah. So I, look, now I've talked about him, I may as well give film dude a bit of a here's, here's what he says about it okay so this is from the imdb website yeah well it's actually yeah but it's a, an offshoot of that and you know how i said it's a great it's a great soundtrack guess what? what suicide squad features a killer soundtrack well there you go and one of the most promising of ensemble casts. i think i just said that only for its execution <laughs> to fail i think i just said that <laughs> yeah um, and it, it then says, it's disappointing such striking visuals are wasted on a colourless plot and bland action. Death by boredom. Well, there you go. Are yeah. you, you sure you don't write under the, under the alias film, dude, and you just haven't no, told me? And he gave it uh, two and a half stars. That's out of five. So that'd be, I presume it's out of five. So that'd be a five out of ten. I'm not quite as quite as uh, dischant, disenchanted by it. Oh, I, th- I think reviews on... on IMDb are out of ten stars. I think Film Dude's been particularly harsh by the sounds of that. Uh, uh, no, no, because this is not on IMDb. This oh, is, okay. This is this is bounced off to to the external site. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Okay, exactly. Okay. You got it in one. Yeah. yeah all right. So look, I, I'm still, I'm, st- I reckon we're still going to get into it once there's more out there. If you know what I mean, the second one hopefully will be better than the first, mm-hmm. and because there'll be more of a plot that you can actually you know follow with. A semblance of normality, even though these characters are not normal, 
I mean, they are created characters for a comic universe, which means they can do superhuman things. And, and that, that, that's no different here. I mean, I, the concern is it's getting, it's getting overwhelming. There's so many of them now. You know, when, and I, I understand that because Batman and Superman made so much money, everybody was trying to cash in. But that's the danger. Overkill, isn't it? Well, it is. And in a crowded marketplace, which Hollywood movies are at the best of times, you've got to have something that stands out. Yeah, you do. And this will. This will. I mean, it, in spite of everything that people are going to say, it may not do quite as well because if other people agree with our, well, our, our summation, then that may certainly hit some viewers who may not go to see it. But I dare say most people will be intrigued. Uh, and, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it in coming weeks anyway. OK, fair enough, fair enough. So that is Suicide Squad uh, checking in at around the six mark out of ten. Uh, it's a very big week because there is another eagerly anticipated movie, probably eagerly anticipated by a very different group of people, and that is absolutely fabulous the movie. Now, for mine, this really falls into the, the big risk category. You're taking what is an iconic comedy TV show that has a very devoted band of fans and you're trying to take it onto the big screen. It does not always work well, Alex, first. No, it does not because, well, you think about it, most TV series are, what, half an hour, something like that, or it depends on whether it's a commercial station or the ABC or, in this case, the BBC. Most of the time it would be half an hour at best. Well, half an hour for, a, for a, usually a public broadcaster network show it can be as little as 18 minutes for um is it 18 i thought it was 23 it, it, really it, it oh. can be as little as 18 minutes it's usually it's usually closer to 22 23 but yeah it depends on what what country the stuff's from well look this one's 91 minutes so what i'm getting at is this is three episodes isn't it based on that so you know, you've got to have content so this is rated m in australia it's 91 minutes as i mentioned let's go back to 1990 that was jennifer saunders and comedy partner Dawn French writing scripts for the third series of their then-hit television show, French and Saunders. They came up with a sketch about a mad modern mother, an ex-hippie called Adriana, as played by Saunders, and her sad, straight-laced daughter, French. A year later, French and Saunders were preparing to film their fourth series. Studios had been booked at the BBC... The show's longtime director, Bob Spears, was in place, and just as the women who'd been collaborating on comedy since they met at drama school in the late 70s were about to get down to writing the series, Dawn French and her then-husband, Lenny Henry, got the phone call they'd been waiting for for years. A baby girl was ready for adoption. Work, of course, had to be put on hold. And it was at this point that Saunders received a call from her longtime agent wondering if there was anything else she could think of that might fill the studio slot. For Saunders, who'd never considered writing anything on her own, that was quite terrifying. Encouraged by her husband, fellow writer and comedian Adrian Edmondson, Saunders had to think about what on earth she could write. It was then that she came back to the idea of the modern mother Adriana, who she would rename Adina or Eddie Monsoon. And she'd enjoyed writing and playing the character, and she could speak her easily, so to speak, in character, which made the writing easier and, indeed, it made it possible. And Saunders, who got the idea for Eddie's job from Lynn Franks, who was then London's hottest fashion PR consultant, 
wrote a treatment and, of course, the wheels started to turn. And it was originally broadcast on the BBC in 1992. And Ab Fab, as it came to be known, aired to instant acclaim. So Eddie and her best friend Patsy, shocked and delighted in equal measure, Safi made our toes curl and gave the show a heart. Mother knocked us dead with her withering one-liners and Bubble made us laugh out loud with her surreal inefficiency. It was a show that had something for everyone. Dysfunctional family, die-hard friendship, huge outrageous sense of fun. And Saunders sort of says the characters in Ab Fab, and it, it's a concept that's driven by its characters, are a cartoon version of all of us. And she thinks at the end of the day, people like to laugh at themselves and not take life too seriously. And she then says, if I had to say why the show was a success, I'd say it was because it was a license not to have to behave. You know, like most people have to behave, but this show sort of gave them carte blanche to do what they wanted. And Patsy and Eddie are awful, sad human beings, but they enjoy themselves hugely. <laughs> and, and they're they're other... horrible. They're amongst the worst people ever on television. Yeah, exactly. Well, but they're also each other's greatest allies. So, uh, look, the TV show ran for, for three series from 92 to 95, and it won the BAFTA Award for Best Comedy Series in 93. And then there was a, a two-part television film the following year before the program was brought back in 2011. So let's talk about the big screen adaptation. Adina Monsoon and Patsy Stone, Jennifer Saunders and Joanna Lumley, are still oozing glitz and glamour. They're, they're living the high life they're accustomed to. They're, they're shopping and they're drinking, drinking and they're clubbing their way around London's trendiest hotspots. But Eddie's PR career is on the skid. She, she's got very few clients. She's desperate for someone to publish her memoirs. But the publishing world doesn't want to know about her. They're not the least bit interested. Money is becoming a major problem for Eddie. So Patsy's career, mind you, it seems to be miraculously intact. And in <laughs> fact, her magazine is sponsoring a major fashion event and everybody who's anyone is going to be there, including a supermodel, Kate Moss, who happens to be between publicity representatives. And all Eddie has to do is to get to Kate before her arch rival, Claudia Bing, played by Celia Imray, and she figures she'll be right back in the game. She's got the perfect accessory to help her do just that, her 13-year-old granddaughter, mm -hmm. Lola. But to say that things don't go according to plan is a gross understatement, Chris, because an accident leading to Kate Moss's untimely demise could see Eddie charged with her manslaughter or even murder. And that's when Safi, played by Julia Sawala, steps in. Clearly, aficionados of the original Ab Fab will be interested in the movie and how it measures up. I can't say that I've watched too much of the TV series and as such I found the film vacuous fun but, but very thin when it came to substance. I didn't actually laugh aloud although I did smile a few times and obviously it had helped to have a good working knowledge of the TV series. Yeah, so as I say, just because TV show works doesn't mean it can be successfully translated onto the big screen. We had, what, Sex and the City, the first one of those was mm -hmm. all wrong. But the second one was pretty ordinary. And, look, most importantly, you need, as I said at the outset, a lot of material. It's got to be entertaining and engaging throughout to keep an audience interested. There is a surfeit of sight gags and outrageous fashion in Absolutely Fabulous, the movie, and examples of Eddie and Patsy behaving badly. But even though the finishing line was only an hour and a half away, as far as I was concerned... It needed to get there even quicker. Is so, this one of those movies that you found yourself watching and checking your watch and watching a bit more and checking your watch? 
Well, I wasn't so much checking my watch, but I was wanting more of more plot lines. I mean, look, unless you saw the series and liked it, I, I don't think you'll be all that enamoured. And even if you did, I'm not convinced you'll be sold on the film. So it's it's okay. That's sort of yeah, it's sort of hitting it with a a bit of a wet wet sort of uh, I don't know cabbage, uh-huh. but. Um, yeah, look, it's a 5 out of 10 film. Absolutely fabulous, the movie. 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10, so absolutely fabulous, not necessarily fabulous. Not necessarily absolutely fabulous. No, it's it's OK. All right, OK. You're listening to Movies First with Chris Coleman and Alex First. We've done the big blockbusters and now we go on to a couple of uh, different movies and we move to Embrace. What is Embrace all about? Well, it's me giving you a high five. No, it's not. It's, it's oh, a no. Oh, I'll pay uh, that. No, no, that's all right. We we can bump chests if you like. Mm-hmm. The um, ninety minutes of it, upbeat emotional journey about embracing yourself, warts and all, started after a happily married Adelaide mother of three called Taryn Brumford posted an unconventional before and after shot on the internet in two thousand and thirteen. The image, which embraces body diversity, was seen by more. Wait for this than 100 million people. That's a lot of people. Um, Unbelievable. Generated more than 7,000 emails and messages from people all over the world and sparked a media frenzy. And Brumford soon realised how restrictive it is to give a short television interview of four minutes or, I don't know, put out 800 words as an article or 140 characters on Twitter. So she recognised that the issue of female body image needed a louder voice on a bigger platform and that's how the idea of creating the doco Embrace was born, and it's been supported by nearly 900 Kickstarter pledges. And they responded to a fundraising trailer, which was released in 2014. It's now had more than 20 million internet views. And those responsible for making the doco have also had support from Screen Australia, South Australian Film Corporation, philanthropists, businesses, celebrities, and thought leaders. It follows Brumford's crusade, Embrace. As she explores body loathing, uh, there appears to be a global body-hating epidemic. And, and she explores body loathing in an endeavour to inspire us to change the way we feel about ourselves and think about our bodies. The story unfolds from Brumford's perspective as she travels the globe talking to experts, women in the street, well-known personalities about alarming rates of body image issues with people of all body types. And in her affable, effervescent style, she bears all, literally, to explore the factors contributing to the problem and seeks to and seeks answers. Now, among those she talks to are Mia Friedman, who's, of course, founder, publisher, editorial director of mamamia.com.au, and she was the youngest editor of the Australian edition of Cosmo, Cosmopolitan. She also chats with American actress, producer, TV presenter Ricky Lake, along with a leading German actress and others who have confronted the issue of body image in different ways. That, by the way, includes a plastic surgeon for whom Brumford strips down to her knickers and that encounter, including the candid conversation, is filmed. Most illuminating. I mean, to give you some idea, I I mean, the, the, the candid conversations are such that the plastic surgeon is basically telling her that, oh, well, I can lift the boobs, I can do this. I mean, there's nothing, you know, she's a normal, I don't know, whatever she is, late 30s woman. I mean, you know, and after you've had kids, things happen. 
Now, that doesn't mean you need to do anything about it. It's quite natural. And I was, that's what it's, it's just extraordinary stuff. A great, great deal of inspirational material here, Chris. I'd go so far as to say heroic. And it's been packaged magnificently. I really admire the framing of the interviews. As compelling as the subjects themselves are, the way they're shot by Hugh Fenton gives them the greatest possible appeal. Hugh Fenton's done a great job. And it almost sounds like I'm gushing about it, but the framing is an artwork all, all to itself. Now, I know Taron Brumford is actually doing a lot of personal screenings of this around Australia, so it's something to keep an eye out for because it's probably going to take a while for her to get to a lot of places. But, but it is worth keeping an eye out for her because uh, I, I think this is one of those films where it, it, it's great to see it. It'd be great to see it as a doco, but even better if you get the chance to see it and then to, see, to, to be involved in a Q&A with the filmmaker. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ab- absolutely. I mean, and look, uh, she is an impossible not to love. Uh, what she says, how she presents it, she's real 100% of the time. It's a doco that needs to be seen and savoured, not just by the public, but by everyone who works in this fashion-conscious, body-phobic world. Uh, just a couple of things to add, Chris. It's not just women the world over who have body image issues, of course. I mean, you know, it's very common among men. And say what you like, but while anorexia and bulimia and related illnesses are major worries, so too is obesity. So unfortunately, pun not intended, the the latter is a growing worry. I mean, you know, obesity is, and it's resulting in an increasingly unhealthy population Uh, and so i mean for my for what it's worth i live by the mantra by all means embrace the body you've been given but make the most of it as well and you know that's my free editorial Mm -hmm. but do you know what i'm getting at it's kind of like the sugar movie was all about the evils of sugar but it's not just about sugar it's about the evils of sugar and salt and fat and here i understand she embraced female body image issues but there's also male body issues. And when it's all said and done, if you are so heavy as to present yourself with a health disaster, then it's not just about everybody else doing something for you. It's about you doing something for yourself too. So, you know, just be aware that it presents one part of the picture, an important part, but not the whole picture. Indeed, indeed. More about the movie, and uh, I've now checked it out, the, the Fan Force hosted screenings, as they're, they're called. Uh, you can check these out, and uh, more details there at bodyimagemovement.com. So bodyimagemovement.com is where you can find out more there. Uh, and uh, there are also uh, details about uh, in the United States. So uh, it, is, it is becoming a true global phenomenon. Yeah, which it should do too. It's a terrific film. Seven and a half out of ten for Embrace. Finally for today, Censored Voices. We're getting a bit serious now, are we? Oh, yeah, very much so. Well, this is... I've never seen what is presented in Censored Voices anywhere on a movie screen or in any other forum. 84 minutes, powerful, heartfelt documentary, the content of which was banned from public earshot until recently. Actually banned. And pardon me, it concerns Israel's six-day war. And 1967, Israel was threatened by the armies of Egypt, Syria and Jordan, and they'd gathered to annihilate the state. Although the gunfire lasted for less than a week, the result was seen as a decisive victory. I, you'd certainly agree with that, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. One that was applauded and 
celebrated inside the country. But beneath the revelry were stories of the real battles that remained secret. Directly after the war, a group of young men, kibbutzniks as they're called, they live on a kibbutz, led by, or not just one, but several, led by renowned writer Amos Oz and editor Avraham Shapira, recorded intimate conversations with soldiers about what had just taken place. Can you imagine that? I mean, these guys had just fought. Mm. Right, and and so they were quizzed about what had just happened. This now, is stuff happening really uh, in, in the raw, if you get what I mean. It is, and and these conversations took them through their experiences, how they felt. What emerges is a largely conflicted group that does not paint the rosy picture that was given to the world. Uh, there are inherent difficulties. Let's be honest with claiming land and conquering people. Atrocities were allegedly committed, and not all felt good about themselves or about what the future promised. Until censored voices was made, the Israeli government had only allowed the release of 30% of what was recorded on those reel-to-reel tapes nearly 50 years ago. Wow. Now, for the first time, we get the full picture, so to speak. And talking <clears throat> of pictures, the visuals of the Six-Day War have been drawn from various sources, all of it actual footage taken at the time. And we hear as many as 21 young men talking within 19 days of the end of the war as to the impact it had on them. Instant gut reactions and reflections. But we also see them now, nearly half a century on, as they are today, listening to their own confessions. Imagine that. And that, I mean, you have not seen anything like that, as I mentioned at the outset. That undoubtedly gives this documentary even more clout than it would otherwise have had. It's very strong, dour filmmaking, narrated by Amos Oz, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, won an Ophir Award, O-P-H-I-R, which is the Israeli equivalent of the Oscars, for Best Documentary. Some of what you will hear might not be pretty, but it's certainly most important. I mean, how could the truth not be? And unfortunately, instead of full disclosure, all too regularly, not in this movie, but in terms of other conflicts, etc., we get spin. So stripping that back and exposing the totality of events and their repercussions could not be more imperative. I don't think it's going to suit everybody, censored voices. It's not going to suit everybody's tastes, but it's been extremely well made and brilliantly executed. It, it becomes a critical historic document or historical document, really something of, of, of such importance because it's such a rare beast to hear yourself as you would have been, well, you know, these guys would have been 20 years of age. Mm -hmm. And this is nearly 50 years on now. Yeah, exactly. 67, 77, 87, 97, 07, yeah. It's coming up to 50 years next year. So, yeah, it's quite something. It's called Censored Voices and it's only short, but it has a big punch. 84 minutes, 7.5 out of 10 for Censored Voices. Okay, a really diverse range of movies this week on Movies First and uh, no time for a live theatre show this week, Alex. We'll have to hold over and, and do a live one down the track. We will indeed, sir. And good to talk to you again. And uh, folks, tune in again in, well, a few days' time. We'll, we'll have some more material for you. <laughs> we will. Alex First with uh, me for Movies First for this week. Catch you then. Bye. You've been listening to Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.
Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows.